Hey folks, Larry from Achieving Reality, the podcast. Have you been trying to figure out what subscription box to sign up for? If you're a movie buff, then I've got what you need, baby. Horror Pack. For just $19.99 each month, you'll get three DVDs and an exclusive. Or you can spend $24.99 and snag three Blu-rays and an exclusive each month. Just go to horrorpack.com and pick your plan. Now, you've been told what to do, so go do it. Horrorpack.com Why do all the alerts I get from Words with Friends tell me that time is running out? You know that thing you're not interested in? Time's running out. Why don't you just turn off the alert? Too lazy. (laughs) Okay. All right. Waiting for you, Larry. Just made some horchata. God bless you. Not often. Mm-hmm. Here is. <laughs> Try that again. Not the <laughs> in front of it. And welcome to another Achieving Reality, the podcast. This week we talk about the sport curling and how to get your FBI file. So, sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of Achieving Reality, the podcast. We'll see you at the end. Just taking a guess. Well, I'm going to teach you how to obtain your FBI file, if you have one. Everybody has one. Unless you're not doing anything. Even if you're not doing anything. You you logged into that one suspect website. An FBI file is a record of information pertaining to arrests, investigations, federal employment, naturalizations, or military service. The FBI does not keep a file on everyone. Oh, I'm I'm sure I have an FBI file. I've been following the FBI for. But some people may have a file if they have been a victim in a case or authorized third party has requested information about them. The FBI also has files of individuals, organizations, and businesses currently or previously under investigation. You can request your FBI file through either a Freedom of Information Act request or a Privacy Act request. If your request is denied, you can appeal that decision. One. Someone goes through all this legal hassle and trouble to get their FBI file finds out there isn't one. Yeah. One, submitting a Freedom of Information Act request an FOIA. Draft a FOIA request. When requesting your personal FBI records through the Freedom of Information Act, you must draft a detailed letter specifically requesting the information that you desire and any information that can help the FBI identify the records. This should include date, address. uh, Date of what? It just says date. Today's date? Well, that's going to help them identify nothing. Identifying the request as under the Freedom of Information Act, date range of the request. Ah, there you go. 
Uh, you can make the request from your date of birth to the present. Description, well, duh. Uh, description. No, we started to fall two days before you were born. Yeah. What did I do? You know what you did. <laughs> description of the request. Request copies of all information, including but not limited to files, correspondence, reports, surveillance, and any other records concerning you. Provide information to assist in the research or in the search. You should give your name, date of birth, social security number, place of birth, first and last names of your parents, any aliases that you use, and former addresses. Description of the scope of search, including the FBI's indices, including manual indices as well as field offices. Indicate dollar amount you're willing to pay for the processing request. And they're free. Zero. Freedom of information. Yeah. Of course, it's a legal thing, so you're going to want to spend in money. State you're seeking information for personal use and not commercial use. Why would I sell my own information? Maybe you're writing an autobiography and you want to use I F- know everything about myself. You want to use the FBI file as a, as a source. And maybe you just want to make your own Kindle book with your information from the FBI. I don't know. Provide your name, address, phone number, and email addresses. It's, it's Basically, start the FBI's file on you for them. That's funny. You said, submit you your s- request. You submit your request. And they're like, all right, well, we got this down, got this down, new file. Yeah. And they send you back a they send you back a blank template. Here's what we have. This has your name address. Submit your request. Since you're requesting FBI files for a living person, you must submit your request either by mail, fax, or email. You can mail your letter to the FBI. So if you're and submitting it for a deceased person, how are you supposed to send it? Carrier pigeon? Yes. No. Uh, um, Spirit board? Yeah. You can fax your request to... F. E. I. Hold... Please. <laughs> Move Planchette to one for yeah. customer service. You can email a PDF of your request to blah, 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 blah. I'm not giving it. You can, you can look it up. Uh, check your Funkin' Wagnalls. To the FBI. Yeah. Uh, check the status of the request. You can check your status of your request by calling FOIA's public information officer at 504 blah, blah, blah. If you have an FOIA request number, you can also check your request status online at the thing. Not being very helpful today. Well, I don't feel like giving out all the information. If they want to, if they really want to do this, then they can look up these web addresses. Well, maybe it's like if the web address is FOIA.com forward slash. No, it's it's vault.fbi.gov and a bunch of other slashes and stuff. And they're all like that. Well, they wouldn't want to make it easy for you. Wait to be contacted. If you have an extremely large file, this could be the last step in the process. Your my your may be contacted by a your negotiator. That's what it says. A negotiator to help narrow down the search parameters. Once the search is complete, how you, far do I have to narrow it down? Me, <laughs> not Larry, not Larry and me. 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 You will receive a letter explaining any exemptions that were used to justify not sending you certain records, as well as a copy of the you records that were please. not exempted. Uh-uh-uh, you didn't say the magic word. The letter will also indicate the number of pages that were reviewed and the number of pages that were released to you. Maybe, maybe Number of pages reviewed, 100. Number of pages released to you, 99. What the fuck, man? You already know who you are. You didn't need your name and address and all I that. I need to review the cover letter. Method two, making a Privacy Act request. Complete the certification identity form. The U.S. Department of Justice, DOJ, Departments of Cert- Departments, uh, 
provides a certification of identity form as well as a way for an interview. That an interview. Oh. The thing they fax you is says, "Does this this you check yes or no?" The U.S. Department of Justice provides a certification of identity form as a way for an individual to request all records in the U.S. Department of Justice's system related to him or her or it or them or SAR or whatever the fuck you think you are. Uh, complete the fillable form by typing in all requested information. Fillable form. You can save the completed form as a or print the completed form. And then scan it. Make it a PDF. Draft a letter request take the PDF and... in the alternative. If you prefer to draft a letter request instead of using the certification of identity form, the DOJ will also accept the letter. In the letter, you must include the following information. The full name of the requester. Me. Your citizenship status and social security number. Yes, none of your business. Your current address. Yes, your, none of your business. Your date of birth and place of birth. Yeah, nine days after Larry. Here. <laughs> I'll say I wasn't born here. Born there. I was born at Tyler Perry Studios. Technically. You must also include the following oath. I declare under penalty of perjury under this, the laws of the United States of America that the foregoing is true and correct and that I am the person named above and that I understand any falsification of this statement is punishable under the provisions of 18U.S.C. section 1001 by a fine of not more than $10,000 or by imprisonment of not more than five years or both, and that requesting or obtaining any record records under false pretenses is punishable under the provisions of 5U.S.C.552A parentheses I parentheses parentheses three parentheses by a fine of not more than $5,000. You must print your name and signed and date the document. Now couldn't we forego some of this by making the person pick the files up in person? Not every city has an FBI office though. Most cities do. And if this is important. If you go to if you're in I mean, every state does. Every state does, but what if you don't have the money to travel, you know? What if you're a shut in and you're afraid of that kind of stuff? You have agoraphobia or something. Make special arrangements and then come out and deliver them to you. But that's what you're doing. That's why you sent the email. Because this, I mean this is something that's kind of important. You know, you can... That's why you submitted the email. Then they just zip it to your email and you won't have to worry about going out. Yeah, but basically all they're all they're getting from that is your promise that you are who you said you are. No, that's a handwritten letter, the one I just said. All that other stuff was for a handwritten letter. Oh. But the email is an actual form that you fill out online. PDF. That was the PDF that you can send in. Submit the form or letter. You can submit the form or letter via mail, fax, or email. You can mail your letter to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, blah, 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 blah. That I didn't want to mention the last time. Uh, you can fax your letter to the same number I didn't mention the last time, or you can email a scanned copy of your signed letter or signed form to foiperrequest at ic.fbi.gov. Go. Four, wait for your response. The FBI Processing Center will soon send you a letter that includes your requested... Soon in air bunnies? No, it just says soon. Uh, will your requested material, and if applicable... Any reasons, exemptions, justifying why certain materials were not released to you, though you should know who you are and all about you. This was thinking, it's like, what information could the FBI have on file that pertains to you that 
you don't know. Yeah. I guess if you're on like a watch list somewhere and you didn't realize you were on a watch list somewhere, like you took a dump on the seat in the plane, and so now you're on, you know, the TSA well, watch maybe, list, maybe which will put you on the FBI watch list. Well, maybe that's something you should know before you try and book your next flight. That's why you're asking for the letter. I took a dump in my seat. I was just wondering, do you have a file on that? We do now. Yes. <laughs> yes. You had okra for dinner. <laughs> Three, appealing a DOJ response. Review the DOJ's letter. If you are unsatisfied with the DOJ's response to either your FOIA or Privacy Act request, you can file an administrative appeal. One reason you may be dissatisfied is if the DOJ did not release all the records to you, but instead held them back and cited an exemption. The DOJ describes their exemptions as follows. Proofread, people. Well, I imagine if like, something that they, that they learned about you might pertain to somebody else. They, somebody did something and you happened to be there. They have a file on you because you were there, but what that person was up to is their file. So they exempt that portion of yeah, yours. Fair enough. It's, yeah. Classified national defense and foreign relations info. I'm not worried about that. Internal agency personnel rules and practices. I don't Inf- know anybody in there, so. No. Information that is prohibited from disclosure by another federal law. Trade secrets and other confidential or privileged commercial or financial information. Interagency or intra agency communications that are protected by legal privileges. Information involving matters of personal privacy. <laughs> We can't let you see your file because we got to no, respect your privacy. No, it could go like what you just said, though. Yeah. That person's privacy, not yours. So they would say you were in a room with X while that Y was being done, but we can't allow you to know any of that. Your ex-girlfriend was selling secrets to the Russians. Your name is Hillary. Records or... Records? Uh, records or mm-hmm. information... I'll cut that. You you. Yeah, yeah. Records or information compiled for law enforcement purposes... To the extent that the production of those records could reasonably be expected to interfere with enforcement proceedings, would deprive a person of the right to fair trial or an impartial education, could reasonably be expected to constitute an unwarranted invasion of personal privacy. What? I'm just thinking if you, you suspect you're under investigation by the FBI, you request your own file so you can see what they got on you. Yeah. Could reasonably be expected to disclose the identity and or information provided by a confidential source. That could also go back to like what you said earlier. Mm-hmm. Would disclose techniques and procedures for law enforcement investigations. That would be if somebody was testifying against you. Yeah. The information in the file that pertains to them, yeah. they would exempt because they don't want you running over them. In the would disclose market. techniques and procedures for law enforcement investigations or prosecutions or would disclose guidelines for law enforcement investigations or prosecutions. <gasps> or... Could reasonably be expected to endanger the life or physical safety of any individual. Information related to the supervision of financial institutions and geological information on wells. Poison the well. Oh, wow, that's, that's, that came out of left field. Yeah. I'm sure there's a reason for it. But Poison the well. Then you could kill I, hundreds of thousands just, of people. I was looking over my own life and thinking, like, is there anything the FBI could know about me that would endanger the location of a well? <laughs> oh, no. Draft your appeal. Your appeal must be per- a persuasive argument setting forth the reasons for your appeal and why the DOJ was incorrect in making its determination. Specifically, oh, come on, fine. <laughs> oh! Specific. Facts. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Facts. You're fired. Wait, whoops, wrong one. Check. 
Specifically, your letter should include the following. Address of the agency to whom you are submitting the appeal. Subject line that states FOIA appeal and or Privacy Act request appeal. The date that you made the request to whom you submitted the request in a brief description of what you requested. So basically your letter. Today, some guy. State that the regency why the agency denied your request, whatever exemptions the agency cited. Provide a brief argument as why the agency was incorrect. You should provide specific arguments with each exemption cited. You can find guidance to the exemptions in the policy released and the information further by the flaggity-blaggity big long thing. That's the kind of an uphill battle, though, because if they denied sending you certain information and said, well, it, it endangers the location of a well, or whatever the reason is, you can't really argue it because you don't know what the information they denied you having is. Yeah. Restate that you are requesting the information for personal use and the information is about you, so it's for you, by you. Sign and date the letter. You can find a sample appeal letter at this web address that I'm not giving. Three, submit your appeal. You can mail a hard copy of your appeal, which I would probably do, to Freedom of Information Appeal, blah 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 bullshit, bullshit, crap, Washington, D.C. Pueblo, Colorado. <laughs> you must submit your appeal within 60 days of the date of the letter you received releasing information to you. Or not, as the case may be. In, in that case, yes. Wait for a decision. You will receive a letter with the agency's decision about your decision if they decision you're with you. They may send you the decision or raise an additional decision or concerns. If they deny your decision, you cannot make a decision any further. But that's up to you. <laughs> but that's your decision. You are still dissatisfied with the agency's decision. You could consider filing a lawsuit and having a judge make a decision on the issue. This could be a costly and time-consuming decision, and you could contract an attorney experience in handling these kinds of decisions. Yeah. Nobody asked any questions. But... Because nobody wants to out themselves as possibly having an FBI file. But there's 33 votes at 76% that this is very helpful. Oh, thank you. And the person who did it was a doc is a doctor of law at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Ah. He's the guy who wrote this uh, article. So this is something that's come up before. Well, it's probably come up quite a few times, honestly. It's probably one of the things he's been asked in his class since he's a professor. Excuse me, professor, how do I find my FBI file? Yeah, it's, well, do, you, do you have a reason to look for your FBI file? No. no that's when I go, I don't know. That's kind of why I want it. So there you go. Because you know, if you're going to be a lawyer and you have a record, that's, that's not going to work. Well, no, you could still be a lawyer. You just end up not being the kind of lawyer you wanted to be. Or that the people wanted you to be. Yeah. and then That's you're, probably why you got a record. And then you're like Batman. Vigilante attorney. There is one. <laughs> Daredevil. Well, no, he's a vigilante and an attorney. Vigilante slash attorney. He's a vigilante attorney. It's like you're in the middle of court proceedings and he busts through the skylight and comes out and says, Not guilty! <laughs> I object! Slams down evidence on the table and then grappling hooks back up to the skylight. <laughs> throws, the, the throws, down, throws down the smoke bomb. <laughs> the hell was that? Oh, that was bat turning. Oh, according to this evidence, my client's exonerated. All right, thank so, you, bat attorney. <laughs> thank you, bat attorney. So, okay, so cue, uh, I don't know, legal music? Hey, Chris! Hey. Uh, how's it going? <laughs> Just waiting for the dryer to finish. Oh, okay. Time to learn something new! Oh, boy. Something you may not have even wanted to know. Usually is. 
Thanks. You're welcome. How to score in curling. And I don't mean <laughs> score. I mean keep score. I thought you meant curling, but like the weights. Nope. Nope. So it's your hair. Nope. 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 It's that weird Tinder, sport that Tinder, Canadians Tinder like. <laughs> the brush. Use a hair iron. Curl it. One. <laughs> Two. A lot of people see these strange stones, brooms, and target and curling and think the rules must be very complicated. Or constipated. I'm just thinking there's a bunch of kids somewhere a long time ago didn't have anything else to do. And they're like, well, what do we got in the shed? Here's some brooms. Some ice skates. The scoring rules. Big rock are actually rather straightforward and easy to figure out by watching a match. The team with the stone close to the center of the target scores a point. Understanding the strategy... Oh, it's horseshoes. Technically. Uh, understanding the strategy uh, used to get the stones into scoring position can be more difficult to master, but getting a grasp on it will help you enjoy games or even improve as a player. So that's what we need to do is invent a game that's a cross between the horseshoes and highlight. So you have one player at each end of the pit, right? Whipping a ball at over 100 miles an hour at no, your face. No, he throws the horseshoe at the stake, and you got your highlight thing. You got to try to catch it in the air. So you're defending your goal. No? Sure. Why not? Well, you do that. How are you going to score that? Score what? The whole thing. Well, if he hits the stake or whatever, you get a point. A point? Well, if he hits the stake, it gets a point. If it goes on the stake, it's however points you get. You score it the same way you did, but you also got a chance to defend your goal. Why don't you just, instead of a net, have a bat? And as it falls down, you could swing at it and you knock it way the hell away. That's dangerous. And having a horseshoe thrown at your head isn't dangerous? Let me throw it at your head. If you're standing there to guard the goal. No, you stand on the side. That's why you have the highlight thing. You mean lacrosse? Highlight actually is a bucket that attaches to your arm. Yeah. So the basket for highlight, which is made of reeds. Yeah, sure, why not? You, you need to think this out better. Part one, mastering the basic rules. Form a team of four players who alternate shots. What kind of shots? Vodka shots or? Each game, of, each game of curling is played with two teams consisting of four players apiece. Team members take turns throwing stones. Ow! <laughs> Ow! This is not what I expected. So, so, so far we got four drunk players. Stoning each other. Stoning each other. The turn order is determined before the game and is followed throughout. The exception right, to this is in mixed doubles curling. The teams are composed of one male and one female. Mixed doubles games are much faster than regular games. Why? There's only two per team instead of four per team. Ah. But that was kind of obvious. No. Because it could be one guy, one girl, one guy, one girl. Mixed doubles. Right. One guy, one girl, one two guy, couples. one girl. Two couples. Oh, I meant per team. Two couples per team. Oh. Aim for the target in the center of the ice. The playing surface for curling is <laughs> aim called... Aim for the goal. Yeah, it's called a sheet. You stand at one end of the ice and aim for the house, which is the target. At the other end, the button is so the bullseye. people throwing rocks at each other's houses. As long as they're not glass houses, we should be okay. That's not the kind of house you can throw rocks at. Well, I mean, just ask Billy Joel. He says don't do it. So he's got a picture of him throwing a glass a house at a, a rock at a glass house. He's got a picture of him throwing a glass house at a rock. That too, which was really weird. The button is the bullseye in the center of the target. Many beginners are thrown off by the size and color of the blue, white, and red rings. Ignore the rings. They're a visual indicator of where to aim. Otherwise, don't pay them much attention. The most important part is how close your stones <laughs> are to the button. <laughs> Players will start from a position 57 feet away <laughs> from the too house. Too many comments. Too many comments. Can't yeah. make them all. 
to stay have to edit them in. To stay in play, the stones must stop between the hog line, which is 21 feet from the button, and the back end behind the house. What? I need a diagram here. <laughs> you don't want the back end, you want the button. Ooh. <laughs> I like the back end and the button. Send eight total stones down the ice towards the house. Each tank. One time? <laughs> no, over time. shots like buckshot? <laughs> Each team plays by using granite. Yes. Granite stones, also called rocks. Well, there are granite stones, so... Teams alternate turns, throwing one stone at a time. Each team member gets to throw two stones total, which their teammates guide towards the house. Because they got a ticket to the house. Each stone weighs about 42 pounds, so guiding it along the ice takes some practice. Team members alternate turns. You have to wait to throw your second stone. Yeah, because you don't want those stones colliding. In mixed doubles, each team only gets five stones. Weird, but okay. Right. Play ten ends in a game. Think of an end as an inning in baseball. Once all eight stones are thrown in an end, and an official counts the score and writes it on the scorecard, each team curls a total of 80 stones a match. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, at 42 pounds. Hopefully you've got a decently strong shoulder. Yeah, but I mean, that's... That's the whole 80 in a whole game. Yeah. So that's 40 per team. So that means you've only done it 10 times. No, each team curls a total of 80 stones. Oh, 20 times. Yeah. Wow. Set aside a day for this. Pretty much. Each end. You know, you know what this is begging for, though, right? For us to invent lawn curling. We had that. They were called jarts. And they took them off the market. Not jarts. It's like a slip and slide that you lay out. Each end. You have to stick it down, though. Well, you should do that with a slip and slide anyway. So I mean, so you can eliminate most of the bumps and things. Oh, yeah. You'd have to make sure you do it on a very I don't have flat. A, instead of brushes, you'd have like a um, water Blower? gun. Water gun. Oh, yeah. That you'd like lubricate the mat in front of the stones, try and guide it to where you want it to go. And it'd make it moist. You could shoot the stone with the water jet. Wouldn't really be the same. I can get you a broom and you can sweep the slip and slide, but it ain't going to do any good. Or maybe it's like a squeegee and you like press this, the thing down. Maybe. To get it to go where you want it to go. Two weeks, it's going to be available on Amazon. Yep. Each end begins with the team who won the previous end. If Team B scores more points in the first end, they start the second end. This is fairer than it seems because the team that goes second in curling has an advantage. The amount of ends can change depending on the game format. Full-length games may be limited to eight ends. Professional mixed doubles games are always eight ends long, but recreational games may be even shorter. By the time your shoulder gives out, yeah. Yeah. Two, scoring points. Get stones into the house to score points. Only stones that stay within the house or button earn points. This is your team's goal for each end. Curling is a careful game of teams throwing and knocking away stones in order to gain position in the house. Basically, marbles. Yeah, that uh, with a uh, shuffleboard. Marble board. Shovel. Marble board. That's Chinese checkers. Yeah. Two, land the closest stone to the button to score a point. After all stones have been thrown in the current end, the team with the stone closest to the center of the target gets a point. All the other stones behind it don't count. That means only one team can earn points during an end. Oh, so you basically win each match. You get a point for each match you win. Uh, yeah. If your opponent is occupying the button and you're throwing your last stone, you have to knock the other stone away to prevent them from scoring. So if... Red has theirs in the center of the bullseye, 
and you're blue, you want to throw it so you can knock the red out and stop your stone in the thing. Or if you have a stone that, like, the second closest stone is a blue stone. Yeah, and you, can, you want to you maybe knock it. that closest stone and knock the red stone out. You knock the red stone out, count. next closest stone wins. Yeah. Unless you knock the red stone into your other blue stone and then you fuck everything up. Not necessarily. Way to go, Sven. <laughs> Ask several stones closer to the target to score multiple points. Any team can score up to eight points in an end. You get multiple points only if you have several stones closer to the bullseye than your opponent. Having multiple stones, which just sounds painful, in the house doesn't count unless your opponent's stones are out of the way. All right, this, so if you, have the, if you have the two closest stones, then you get, you two, get two, points. two points. Unless the one on the button counts as more. If it's dead center, maybe that's three points, and then the one that's closest to it is a point. So that would be four points. It sounded like it was just like if you have the closest oh. stone, you get a point. For example, if Team B has three stones closer to the center than any of Team A's stone, Team B earns three points. So it's all just a one-point deal, it seems. Keep it simple. Stupid. Measure the stone's distance from the circle to see which is closer. The colored ring serves as a guide when determining who scored. <laughs> to determine the distance, stand directly over the stone, locate the edge of the stone of the edge closest to the center, do the same for any other stones to determine where they fall in the house. So the bullseye, bullseye. is the button. The oh. circles themselves are the house. So you could be from the blue, the white, or the red, or in the dead center. Mm-hmm. All right. When in doubt, use the measuring stick to determine how far the stones are from the button. Referees do this when they can't make a determination by sight alone. Hans, give me the yardstick. No, you made fun of mine, friend. Uh, tally up your points after all ends are completed. Scorekeeping and curling is similar to writing out a baseball scorecard. After each end, determine which stones are closest to the center. Then, record the number of points scored. At the end of the game, add up all the points. The team with the most points wins. Duh. You make it more complicated with a score like bowling. If you win that inning, yeah. then you, you put the little slash mark. And if you win the next one, you get extra points in the first one. Yeah. Another slash mark. Taking a shot. Throw the stone by gliding it towards the house. During the glass. During your turn, they probably have it. During your turn, crouch down by the stone at the starting block. Push the stone forward to generate momentum, then let it go towards the target. The goal is to get it in the house, usually as close to the button as possible. This is really just a study in physics. Momentum, yeah. Sweep the stone to help it along the ice. You may have seen curling players use brooms to sweep the ice ahead of the stone, player who didn't throw the stone, the players who didn't throw the stone all do this to guide the stone towards the house. The amount of sweeping can change the stone's speed or direction. The ice of a curling sheet is rougher than it looks. If a stone is moving left on its own, for example, it will hit rough patches and spin further towards the left. Sweeping melts the ice, allowing for the stone to move across it more smoothly. To keep the stone moving fast and straight, sweep the ice directly in front of it. Perform a guard shot to block the opposing team. Guard shots land in front of the house, but within the curling scoring area. This shot is kind of easy to remember as the stones guard the house so opponents can't sneak in. Are they coming at it from opposite sides? Are they using the same lane? Everybody uses the same lane. Everybody uses the same lane each time. Okay, so you would want to park yours closer to you, but still in the house. Right. To keep people from getting past right. Yeah. So you're you're red. I'm blue. I've thrown two stones. What did they hurt coming out too? And uh, they're right there at the edge. So they're they're touching the house. 
so they would count as points. And you would have to throw one to knock those two away to get further deeper. Yeah, whatever. To get Closer. a point instead. Areas with lots of guards can create headaches for opposing teams. Getting stones to the house involves working around guards and understanding how they will move when hit by an incoming stone. Of course, you need to get one close first before you start setting up guarding. Yeah, yeah. Make a draw shot to get a stone into the house. This is like what we were talking about earlier. Draw shots are designed to get stones around guards. While they can be straight shots, many involve curling the stone with great precision. To curl a draw shot, turn the stone's handle right before you let go of it, then let the sweepers guide the stone around the guard and back towards where you want it to end up. I've seen that, where they do it and then they just kind of, meh, to the right or the left and the rock slowly spins while it's going down. And you think it's going straight because of the way the camera is. It's not, of course. Five, use a takeout shot to remove guards from the playing area. Takeout shots are thrown with such force they knock the opposing team's stones out of play. Marbles. Stones... Thrown for speed and power often takeouts. Takeout shots have to be performed carefully or else you can knock out your own stones as well. Mm-hmm. And then they have a... Our players. They have, a, yeah. They have a rules and template thing. A, a template here that I, so you can print it and read it if you're doing your own thing. If I said means you live in a area where curling is something you can do. Well, you can do it anywhere that has an ice rink. Uh... I'm just thinking, would that screw up the ice, though? Not if that's all it's for. Uh, what happens if someone hits the rock with a broom? A traveling rock is hit by the sweeper's broom is considered burned and must be taken out of play. Etiquette in the honor system dictates that sweepers call their own burns. Scold! And there you go! Yeah, so you gotta trust the other team to... Not lie. Mm-hmm. So there you go. How to curl... How to learn... Learned how to play curling and... Sc- Kind of score curling. So basically what we need to introduce into this is a goalie. Sure. I don't see the pads for that one. I mean, all it would really take is just a heavy stick. Boom. No, I mean for the, for the goalie. That's what I'm have, saying. And have like heavy, heavy boots. Steel tote boots. Those stones are like yay high. So. Yeah, but. Not as are the, in the people, shin guards. The people that are doing it have one shoe with like felt padding on the bottom. So they could slide better. Mm-hmm. So I would just say have just a heavy stick. Just stand there and just go thunk and just set it down like Heimdall with, with the sword. I was still thinking about the paddings for the goalie. Because he's standing right in front of the stone. Yeah, that's what the heavy stick's for. Yeah, but if you get hit with if you miss it with the stick and get hit with a stone, you need padding. Nah. Yeah. They're not humming it at you, it's sliding across the ice. Yeah, but it's still a 45-pound rock. Yeah, but it's Maybe moving five miles an hour? Yeah, but it's still going to hit you, but you're going to be the one moving. I don't know. It's still got a lot of force behind it. I don't know. It's got a lot of inertia. Who's that? Who's what? Inertia. One of the Power Rangers. Oh, weird. I don't remember that one. All right, so uh, cue Canadian curling music. And there it is. Another episode of Achieving Reality, the podcast done and done. You may be wondering why Larry isn't doing the opening and closing bits this week. Well, he's lost his voice again, third year in a row. So, here we are. Okay, for Chris, Marissa in parentheses and everyone else, I'm a computer saying. Have a magical day.
me. Hey there, listeners. Larry here. If this is your first time listening, then, hey, how's it going? You're listening with a friend or just kind of ran into us. I can help you find us some more. You can find us by searching on Spotify or Podbean by typing in Achieving Reality in the search bar. Or you can go on Facebook and type in Achieving Reality and find us that way. Thanks a whole lot and keep enjoying the show. We love you all. Off we go. Go until you get tired. <laughs> <laughs>